told of a creature that was six and a half to seven feet tall. The CIA ran secret mind control experiments. It's a tale of a creature that's been seen by many, but believed by few. And experts say there have been reported sightings of paranormal activity. And there was this creature and it ran down this hill. They say something was flying over their house and they have no idea what it was. How the world's most powerful individuals are actually shape-shifting reptilians. My scariest ghost hunting experience. tell you what's paranormal i'll tell you i'm sitting here minding my own business like a good show host you know just getting things ready not really doing anything and certainly not bothering anybody and this gigantic spider drops itself right in front of me as though just to taunt me in fact the web is still it's just above camera view here it's right here the darn thing was bigger than most small dogs and it was floating in front of me for a minute before i could actually focus on it because you know when you you can't quite get your field of view just right and you're trying to figure out am i looking too far am i looking too close and i finally was able to focus on it i swear it was two inches from my face i'm not going to tell you what i did with it but uh, I don't like it when that happens. Now I have to keep looking up all around me here in the studio to see if there's like a family of them about to descend out of my field of view and crawl up my back and and make me go running out of here like a schoolgirl. That's what's going to happen. If, if I feel something on the back of my neck and you see me just run, that's what happened, by the way. Just so you know. Hey, I hope everybody's got a great uh, a great uh, week going here as we uh, get into the middle part of the week. Uh, I love Tuesday nights because we always get to talk to somebody interesting, and tonight is no exception to that. But I do want to mention we've got the 4th of July coming up. I hope people have great plans for the 4th of July. It's a little tougher this time around. Things are a little more expensive if you're trying to travel. However, friends and family uh, sometimes are very close, so find them. Uh, enjoy the holiday with them. Honor the fact that uh, we're celebrating the birthday of this great nation of ours. And uh, relax a little. Take a little time off. Enjoy yourself, if you can, of course. Uh, I don't know, Sergeant Peterson, what's going on with the spiders. It's just a weird something. I don't know if, if like, one got in here and and had a go at laying eggs all the time. I, I shouldn't get into details because it gets kind of nasty. Um, by the way, thank you to everybody for joining us, regardless of what platform you're watching and or listening on. Uh, and if you're a podcast listener, thank you so much for uh, subscribing. We've got great uh, support there, and I, I truly appreciate it. A number of you not only uh, listen to the podcast regularly, I mean, many, many thousands of views, and thank you for that, but also many of you have decided to support the program right through the podcast, which is really easy to do. There's a link in the description you can touch whether if you're using your phone, which most people do, it takes you right to an op a place where you can support the show. And, of course, that helps us do what we need to do here with the equipment and the software and, and everything else that has to go on to make this show happen. Uh, I apologize for last week. We had a guest cancellation uh, and couldn't get a replacement in time, so we, didn't, we weren't able to do a live show last week, and I apologize for that. I know a lot of people were looking for it, and uh, sometimes it's just beyond... Our ability, we have uh, some. Sometimes our guests get last minute, whether it's family emergencies or maybe they 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 uh, 
get called out of town uh, d- during the day at some point, last minute, and they just can't make the show. And we we understand. I mean, I've I've had that happen to me before when I've been scheduled to appear on someone else's show. So I understand fully how that happens. Hey, it's JV here. You know I've asked for your support in the past, and I'm going to do it again because it's really, really important. And there are a couple of ways you can support the show, and it's so inexpensive. Now, you can go to Patreon, and you can become a Patreon supporter, and we really, really encourage that. But there's also another way. If you look at the description of the podcast, if you're a podcast listener, and you scroll down to the bottom, there's a way to support the show directly through the podcast app. And it's only 99 cents a month. It's less than a buck. You probably have that change in your couch right now. That dollar a month, less than a dollar, goes a long way in helping us produce this program, provide great interviews for you during the course of the week. I thank you in advance because the support is so important to the program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tonight, though, that is not going to happen. We've got a terrific guest. I'm really excited about this conversation we're about to have here. Robert Lindsay Milne is a psychic. He is our guest tonight. He's recognized across the continent as one of the most insightful psychic intuitive counselors of his time. He's traveled the world giving insight with his psychic intuitive sessions to tens of thousands of people. You can find his podcast on YouTube. It's called My Side of the Crystal Ball. And uh, you can also visit his website at RLM. Those are his initials, rlmreadsyou.com. So we're very, very pleased and honored to have Robert with us. Robert, welcome to the program. Great to have you here tonight. Thanks Thank for joining you. us. I, I, I'm really excited about being on. Um, and by the way, my other, my real, my regular email address happens to be Robert at robertlindsaymilne.com. Oh, okay. Well. That's my, <laughs> that makes it easy to that's remember. The, that's, that's the old one. Yes. Yes. Um, well, and, anyway, uh, thanks for being here. I want to talk to you. Obviously, anytime you. we get an opportunity to talk about to a psychic, there's so many directions the conver- conversation can go. But I want to start with the beginning for you because you haven't been on the show. Tell us how you started yes. to recognize your sensitivities. I'll call them abilities, although a lot of psychics don't like to use that work that word. But whatever they are, when did you start to recognize these are part of your life? Uh my earliest remembrances of of um, feeling and sensing things uh, go back all the way to around four or five years old. Oh wow! And and w- one of my most powerful memories, uh, I had just come home from school for lunch, and it was uh, I was either in kindergarten or grade one, and I, I said to my mother, "Grandma Harris died um, today." And Grandma Harris, now I was in Toronto, and Grandma Harris, by the way, was my great-grandmother who lived overseas in in England, and I'd only seen her once in my life. So I came home and said, Grandma Harris died today. My mother got very upset for saying what I said and uh, probably hit me for it, and uh, for saying bad and terrible things. Right. And then, so... The very next night, so, you know, a day later, where I'm at dinner with my mother, father, and my, my sister across the table, and my mother said to my father, Grandma Harris died yesterday. And I thought my dad was going to get angry with my mother 
for saying bad things. And to my astonishment, they talked about it. And and nobody remembered that I had said um, Grandma Harris died the day before. So that was very confusing. Wow. And I often would say things to my family members, you know, Uncle Harold, that wasn't Aunt Sally. Who, who was that person? You know, that one got me into trouble for sure. And it, it wasn't until I was about nine years old, um, my dad took, us, took me to a, a Stanley Cup playoff game. Boston and Toronto were playing, and um, the, the, the series was tied. The score was tied 1-1 at the end of the third period. And uh, when the teams came on the ice for the first overtime period, uh, just to stretch, I recognized number 17 with Toronto Maple Leafs, and I knew he was going to score. And the game hadn't even started. And mm -hmm. and I I knew he was going to score. Anyway, referee blows the whistle and calls everybody, you know, to center ice. And um, the lights go down. And uh, number 17, Gary Eamon, wasn't even on the ice at the time. And as they were about to drop the puck, it became so powerful to me that he was going to score. It felt like he did score. And just before the referee dropped the puck, when the building was all silent and dark, I jumped up and started screaming and cheering. And 18,000 people turned and looked at me <laughs> and my dad. <laughs> and, and, and he said, you know, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, sit down. <laughs> and I did. And I did. Anyway, the referee drops the puck and, uh, you know, a couple of minutes later, Gary Eamon jumps over the boards and I think a guy named Red Kelly passes the puck to him and he tips it in the net and the entire building erupts. And I was sitting back looking at everyone screaming and cheering. The lights were flashing and I realized at that moment I was seeing things differently. And, and that was a, a, a turning point in my life. Now you said it kind of started when you were four. That uh, that um, anecdote that you shared with us there—you yes. were nine or so, I think. Yes. So when it started, yeah. as you were in the younger well, five, four, yeah. four, four, five, in those early years, yeah. what did your parents think? Yeah. I mean, often we hear stories about children having imaginary friends that their parents talk them out of, or almost in some cases reprimand them out of. Uh, you know, these the a lot of times children talk about things that you might in, uh, interpret as being sure. sensitivities, and they get talked out of it. How did your parents handle uh, what you were going through? Well, um, we 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 also have to take into consideration that I was born in 1949, and um, this coming July 13th, I turned 73. So um, in those days, it was hardly ever talked about. It, to begin with, it, right. it, it didn't exist. So, so uh, they weren't noticing what I was doing or, or acknowledging what I was doing. They were just hearing me say things that upset people or made them feel good, and and they didn't put anything um, put anything together. And incidentally, my father died last year, and to his grave, he he believed that um, psychic things didn't exist, and his and his son was a fraud. You know, what, what, the end. Talk, talk about that a little bit, because that's not uncommon sure. in families, uh, especially no. families, you know, that that grow up in a traditional sense and sure. tend to be older. Sure. Um, you know, there's there's a real denial. They can see it right in front of them and they just will, will not accept what they're experiencing or what someone else in their family, in this case, you are experiencing. Um, 
I, for a long time, I, I um, tried to show my father um, what I was doing, how it worked. He, he just was not interested in, in learning anything about it. And in, in those days, um, most of my blood family weren't interested in psychic things or believe in psychic things. I either was crazy or, or evil and doing right. the works of the devil. Right. Um, and, and it wasn't until I, I left home, which, which is at about 15, um, I, I, when I, I left home, uh, I, I started living on the streets and I, and I sharpened and honed my psychic abilities while I was on the street. And um, when I was about 15, I heard that if you work at the Cozy Tea Room in Toronto, um, this was, you know, like 57 years ago, I knew that if, if you worked there, you would uh, get a hot meal uh, at the end of the shift and, and you'd get paid. And um, when I was 15 and a half, it was wintertime and I, I applied to work at the Cozy Tea Room and um, I got hired and I, and I started doing tea leaf and card readings when I was 15 and a half. That's how I got off wow. the street, by the way. So tell me about uh, yeah. using different medium yeah. to, to, to read or give someone readings, whether it's tea leaves, cards, tarot cards, or just without a, without a tool like that, a psychic reading. Are you, are you drawing from sure. the same energies, from the same sensitivities, regardless of which tool you're using to do the reading? I don't use a tool. I don't use, um, I've, I've never used the medium uh, whatsoever. Um, I've always just sensed and felt. I had to work, I had to use a medium at the Cozy Tea Room in Toronto um, because in those days, and uh, actually um, at one time, all the way up until I, I, I think it was um, uh, 2019, um, doing psychic readings was against the law in Toronto. Or in, on, in Canada. As a business, yeah. I assume. It was called the witch... No. Just in general? Well, um, it, was, it was called the Witchcraft Act. Oh, wow. And, and it was Section 326 of the Canadian Criminal Code. And it was brought into effect in the late 1800s. And it was not taken off the books until um, uh, July 1st, which is, which is our um, uh, um, uh, uh, celebration, uh, July the 1st. Um, and on July 1st of 2019, it was it was struck down. So it was the first time in my working career that um, I, I was working legally. So three years ago, first time. three years ago, three years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. By the way, um, on the same day, um, marijuana got legalized. I'm not sure <laughs> if there's any correlation. <laughs> Would be interesting to explore that a little further. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you were forced to use the yes. tea leaves and stuff, did you? I mean, did it? Was it really any different for you? I mean, or were you just again relying on the sensitivities so, that you just knew you had? I was living on the streets. It was winter time, and and I, I and I survived by my psychic ability. And and during that several months when I was living in alleyways and stuff, I never stole anything or did things like that. I always survived by my instincts. And and when I heard that if you worked at the cozy tea room, you'd get paid the same day and that and that and, and I knew at that time what I was doing. I was aware of what I was doing um, for people. Um, when I applied, I, I realized I had to do tea leaf readings and card readings. I had never done them before. So I just 
my and and the way you know the way you apply for that job is you go in and do a reading for the owner. Oh wow! And and I just picked up a I just picked up a a, a teacup, looked inside. I had no idea what those globs meant. But I held the I held the cup up like this, and I just looked at her and I talked to her the way I would normally. Yeah. And then I had to do a card reading, and these were like the the regular playing cards. Mm -hmm. Again, I had mm -hmm. no idea. I just put them down and incorporated them in what I was saying to her. And she hired me that day. And and at at fifteen and a half, I I worked at the cozy tea room for about six years, and I worked five days a week, six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. And sometimes um, I would see 25 or 30 people. Some days I would see 10. And and every day I was practicing reading after reading after reading after reading. And in, in the first six years of my career, I probably put in my 10,000 hours. And and I lived, breathed, and, and it was it was the focus of my life. Still is, by the way, 50 plus years later, it's still the focus of my life. Yeah, so um, and a lot of people think yeah. that um, that uh, the, the psychic abilities are something you're either born with or you, or you're not. Like I always consider myself to be as sensitive in a psychic sense as a brick. I literally don't feel like I've had anything. But then when I talk with with someone like you, I I, sure. I, I hear things like. If you work at it, if you open your mind, if you listen to what's, sure. you know, your inner voices, you will start to be able to develop yeah. that sense. Is that, how do you feel about that? Yes, that's true. Um, just about everybody, not everybody, but, but just about everybody has um, an awareness, um, a psychic sense. So um, have you ever been somewhere having dinner or lunch or something and you look up and someone's looking at you just from out of the blue or have you ever been looking at somebody and they turn around and look at you that's being psychic oh, okay. so being psychic is a natural normal phenomenon that we humans and it's not exclusive to we humans it's us mammals um have a born instinctive intuition we all Almost all of us have it. So if you think of a, a bell-shaped curve, at one end of the bell-shaped curve, there is one person that has absolutely zero awareness, cannot do it, like, like, like uh, you know, a lead head. Right. At the other end of the spectrum, there's another guy that's 100% aware, and then the rest of us fit somewhere in between. So not everybody has that awareness, but most do. It does not take intelligence. It just simply um, being um, alive. So like all mammals, we have a sense and awareness, and that's how we made it out of the caves. That's how we've survived. So we all have that sense. Uh, just because uh, I happen to see a question flash through one of our chat rooms here. Uh, uh, let's uh -huh. see. Arlene asked, and I thought this is a perfect question to ask now. Uh, do people with auto autism have more sensitivity and or, and or psychic ability? Have you ever ever heard of that phenomena? I, I, um, I can't answer that as, as a professional, but uh, as a professional, like in understanding how um, autism works. However, what I've known about people with autism is that they tend to be 
uh, more focused in their upper brain or their analytical brain. And that's not where being psychic and being intuitive comes from. Um, a lot of people that have autism or on the scale on, on that range also um, have trouble identifying and and reading other people. So, so um, often people with autism can't read body language. They, they just totally miss it. Okay, well, reading body language is part of being psychic. See, being psychic, you know, if you look at the word psychic, psychic comes from a Greek root, psyche. When you have a psyche, and, and by the way, um, the Greek root is, is, is psyche, mind, soul, or self. So when you have a mind or soul or a self and you use it, you're psychic. That, that really is what happens. So, so we just get in touch with our instincts. So JV, if you really wanted to, you could do it. What I would say to you, though, is the best way to become psychic or, or start doing readings is become aware of what's obvious. Become aware of what's obvious. And when you become aware of what's obvious, then more becomes obvious. And then more becomes obvious again. Until you get to a point where what becomes what is obvious to you when you're when you're uh, tuning in is not obvious to others. I, I remember when when, uh, you know, a big part of my career, I toured um, and I was the first um, performing Canadian psychic uh, psychic on on in, in Canada. I was the first one to go on radio and TV shows. Oh, wow. Um, I was. Yeah, I was. Well, we're you know, we're back in the um, early 1970s, a long time ago. And and um, I I would um, I would take phone calls. And the way I did my shows is, and, and also the way I do my readings, uh, when, when people call in, I ask them to tell me their first name, where they're calling from, have a question written down, but don't answer, don't ask it. So, you know, person calls up, my name's Mary, I'm calling from such and such a place. And I say, thanks a lot, Mary. And then I just talk about whatever comes into my mind. And, and often I'll say, okay, Mary, so you're at home right now. Okay, if you look up on the right-hand side, is that where the crack in the wall is? And, and, and I would do, do things like that. Um, and in that moment, it seemed obvious to me. And there would be times where I'd be saying things to people and I'd be thinking, Robert, you better get really serious, man, because because you're going to get caught. You're, you're talking about stuff that's so darn obvious. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> but but when I would listen to the air checks, because I always listen to the air check, I remember what I was thinking about and going through at the time. And when I listened to it, I realized, hey, wait a minute. Um, seeing a crack in the wall um, because somebody hit it with a hammer, uh, that is not obvious. That is very, very. Okay, so that was when I realized that that um, become aware of what's obvious and then more becomes obvious again. And that, that's how it, that's, that's what happens. Is, it, is any of this, when you look at um, the information mm -hmm. that you receive, is it, is it sure. there, there a spiritual connection, Robert? Or is it is it more of a, with being psychic? Yes, being psychic is 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 not a spiritual gift okay. or, or a spiritual talent. A lot of people, not everyone, a lot of people that do this work, um, 
are 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 are, are spiritual in 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 their life behavior, but it isn't a prerequisite of a big because it's two different parts of the brain. Um, our our uh, psychic ability comes from our, our 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 middle brain, like our our mammal brain. Um, our spirituality comes from a different part, a, 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 a different awareness, and. Um, Here's something else about spirituality. I'm, you know, if if somebody asks, "Are, are you a spiritual person?" and I, I I usually say, "Well, maybe, probably not. I I I'm not that spiritual." Um, and then I go on to say, "Well, you know, when we talk about being spiritual, um, and and often when someone says, "Oh, I'm a spiritual person." Um, they're often looking at you, thinking, uh, "I'm I'm I'm higher on the level on 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 the scale than you." And and um, the thing is, is that in our universe, um, there is positive and negative, and they are equal. And what we are as beings, um, we are uh, what we are one way. We are equally the opposite. So there are positive spirit spirituality people on spiritual levels there's also uh, people that are on a negative spiritual level anton levey was a guy who started the 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 um uh the satanic church of um california i think and and um he he wrote the satanic bible well there's a guy that's spiritual but but he's not at the same um, side of the scale that I'd like to be on, and I certainly wouldn't want to consult with him. But he was a spiritual person, so it's really important to be to you know to realize that saying you're spiritual um, has a lot of different meanings. And the other part about being spiritual is, um, in spite of the fact that I've been doing this for fifty seven years and I've done more than a hundred thousand psychic connections. Wow. I'm not evolved enough. I'm not evolved enough to tell somebody whether they're spiritual or not. It's, it's, it, it, um, I, I I have no right to make that judgment. Do you uh, do you see a connection, or do you think there's a conflict? Is the better way to ask it between religion, between God, and and these types of things, or do they work in, hand in hand? Between God. No, 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 no difference at all. God, God made us or God, whatever God would be, God created us. Well, God would know about those little inner workings and, and God would have a part of it. Um, being religious doesn't necessarily mean being spiritual and being religious does not necessarily mean being psychic. They're, they're different. They're, you know, they're, 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 they're different um, ways of thinking. They're, they're separate. Um, a lot of anyway, a lot of people that do this work do tend um, to be um, uh, spiritual in their behavior. What do you in, in a positive light? Yeah. What do you say to yeah. people who, like your parents did, or or parents people of your parents' generation did, and say this is the work of the devil, this is evil, this is witchcraft, this is you know whatever whatever they happen to say? What do you say to people? I mean, there are still people that think that. Um. Okay. <laughs> Um, all right. You good for you. All right. Um, works well. Well, have you ever tried to argue with somebody, um, about a belief? Yeah, you just can't. Well, you're not going to get an answer. No, uh, you're not going to connect with them. And, um, see, trying to convince somebody, 
that the psychic realm or uh, exists, even a spiritual realm exists, is like trying to describe the color orange to someone who's been blind since birth. Okay, you just aren't going to be yeah. able to do it. Yeah. So, so instead of demanding that they see things your way, open your mind and see things their way. Accept them for who they are. And maybe when you just treat them for who they are, they'll start doing that with you. Here's another thing. I don't care one way or another if someone believes. Yeah. I don't care. I think that's, I just don't care. Yeah, no, I think that's probably a healthier approach to it. Uh, you, you, you just can't. And, and as you said, you can't sure. change people. There's just no changing people's minds when it comes to that level of belief. And you don't, you know, why argue it? Why try you know, just well, yeah, and 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 the 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 other thing is that is that I, I just forgot what I was going to say. The, the the other thing is is that um, you know, as I've said, I've done more than a hundred thousand psychic connections over my career. Um, I don't care one way or another if somebody books an appointment. Now, 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 when I say that, I'm I'm not being cold. Um, if if somebody wants to have a reading with me, thank you very much. Uh, I'm not going to try and convince you to do it. If, if you don't have another, if you don't have a reading with me, there's lots of other people that you can get a reading from, and 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 I don't push it or sell it. We're talking with Robert Lindsay Milne, uh, psychic. You can visit his website at RLM. Those are his initials, readyou.com. Also a YouTube channel where he has his podcast. The podcast is called My Side of the Crystal Ball. Uh, Robert, is yes. being psychic the same thing as reading minds? Is that is that part of it? I don't think you can read minds. I think you can read behavior. But I don't think you can read minds. Um, in order for us to be psychic, um, and 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 here's something that, if if anyone that does this work, if they're being honest, um, what we talk about are things that are we know about ourselves inside, and and if we have never experienced the theory of relativity. I don't care who's channeling through you. You're not going to be able to talk about the theory of relativity. You just can't. Um, it, there has to be something inside you that you can compare it to. So most of the really good psychics are the ones that have had a varied life experience. Be because the more knowledge you have, the more you can understand uh, um concepts. When when um, you're, you're tuning into somebody, you have to have had that experience or something like it before you can describe it, even if you're channeling. Because our brain, when 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 people channel, and I'm not a channeler, by the way, uh, when, 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 when people channel, then how do I know? Well, because sometimes I have. When, when people are channeling, I have. <laughs> so when, when, when people are channeling, um, um, they're used, or, or when entities are channeling through um, a medium, um, they're using that medium's body, that medium's brain. And the information coming through is limited to the information or knowledge that that person has in their brain. So we have to know something before we can talk about it or explain it. So you have to be able to, you have to have a, a base of knowledge to be able to interpret the information you're getting. Is that kind of? 
absolutely. way to put it. And the more to interpret it. that's correct. Yep. Yep. And and you have to have had an experience to to share, you know, to compare it to. So if you've never, um, like I said, if you've never, um, you, you, you never experienced a theory of relativity, you, you couldn't explain it. Yeah. Because yeah. there's nothing there to work with. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes sense. One of the first uh, experiences that you had that you shared with us was that you knew that your great grandmother had passed away. That's correct. What's yes. the connection? I had no personal feeling. What's the connection between yeah. the, a psychic and and the dead? Um, or being aware of the dead, and as as you in your case, in that story you told. So, um, I knew the event occurred. I didn't necessarily have a contact with with okay. the dead. Okay. Um, I'm I, as I said, I'm I'm not a medium. I don't I, I don't talk to my knowledge. Um, I, I don't talk to spirits or or or, or connect. I, I may do it, but but um, mostly I, I I I do readings and and um, in my readings it's a monologue, not a dialogue. I I don't ask questions. You know, I just start off and and do the reading, talk for about an hour, and if I'm really into it, an hour and a half, and. Um, um, that, that, that's how I, and every reading that I do gets recorded. And also something, um, I have guaranteed my readings absolutely 100% forever from, and I started doing that in about 1974. Um, but that was also, or maybe 1975. That was when I insisted that all my readings had to be recorded and everybody had to have a copy. So from then until now, um, I guarantee that my client will feel satisfied they got a good service from me from the time I do their reading until the ending of my life or theirs. And if for any reason they don't feel they have received um, the service that they thought they were going to get, um, I just give them back their money. Robert, what role does a psychic play in a person's life? In other words, what types of things do you think you help people with when they seek your uh, counsel to give them a reading, is, are there is there are there certain things that that what are a most great questions? Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I'm psychologically minded or behaviorally minded. I'm I'm really interested in in, in that type of stuff, um, and one of my skills that I really have worked at, I'm really proud of, is that when people come to me, often they're in trouble. And, and one of the things that I'm able to do um, because of a lifetime of practice and discipline, um, I'm able to show that person their future and show them that they're going to make it through whatever it is that they're going through. And and when, when I do a reading for somebody, um, I, I see their life often from conception to, to completion. And, and when I'm doing readings with people, I go forward and backward in time throughout their life several times throughout the session, although I mostly focus where they're at at this time in their life. But I, I go forward and backward and, 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 and talk about things in the past and, and, and in the present and the future. What's it do and, to you um, physically? What does it do to you? Do you does it drain you uh, emotionally, physically, mentally? 
I mean, I, I assume that Depending. because you had such a trial by fire, baptism by fire, yeah. Yeah. when you started, sure. that you really, you know, you built up um, an endurance, I suppose, or, uh, you know, some stamina that uh, probably comes with all that practice. Um, so I turned 73 in a couple of days. Um, I still work full time. And um, I've slowed down a lot. I've I, I slowed down to doing about 500 readings a year. Wow. Um, I've been doing that. Um, yeah, there have been years in my life where I did 4,000 and, you know, but that would mean I'd be on tour. Yeah. And um, in those days, I was a kid, right? I was like in, you know, um, in, in my early 20s. And in those days, I was on tour. I, I'd be doing um, uh, 20 uh, um, 30-minute se uh, sessions um, a day, day in and day out. And I would do 10, 10 half hour readings in a row and take one hour off. And then I would do 10 more. And, and then I'd go out and party. And then, and, and uh, so I've always been pretty um, uh, strong in that, in, in, in my abilities. As I got older, I had to slow down. I, I, you know, from doing 20 a day down to 16, down to 14, down 12, eight. And, and, and the readings, used to be half an hour i started increasing the time and 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 now my readings are are an hour and and at my age um doing three readings a day is is it's um um a lot now you uh on the other hand good sorry no go ahead on the other hand i see things clearer i am seeing things on levels that I never imagined existed, my skill, my ability to perceive is greater than it's ever been. Um, and if there were ever a time in my life I'd want to get a reading from me, this would be the time. Um, I just can't do it as much or as fast. I know some psychics that when they give somebody a reading, if they yeah. see something that, that's dark or unpleasant, they won't deliver that information. How do you handle that? Um, I think then if you're not um, telling people what's going to happen, you're not doing your job and you shouldn't get paid for it. Um, my belief is when you can see something, it can be changed. So, so if I see something because, because what is in the future is not always destined, in fact, it's not destined that often, um, um, what can be seen can be changed. When you can't see something, that's destiny, and it, and it cannot be changed. Uh, I, I have an example of that, in, in, incidentally. Um, during the Calgary um, Olympics, uh, Winter Olympics, uh, um, just after it was over, it was in the mid-80s or late-80s, um, a, a woman came to me for a reading like, two days after the Olympics were over. And she was a producer for CTV, Canadian Television Network. Um, she was a producer at the games. And and um, she came to me for a reading. She rode her bike to, to my place and, and, and I did a reading for her. And it was a great reading, as I thought it was. And, and I covered lots of areas and I saw this really great future for her and yada, yada, yada. Um, so that was one day. And then she left. She was feeling happy with her reading. I was really happy. Um, the very next night, I was watching the late night news on CCV. 
and um, Lloyd Robertson was the you know the big guy in those days. He was reading an obituary, and it was the woman that I had done a reading for the day before oh, wow. that I thought was going to have a great life, except on her way home. See, we in Toronto here, we've got, uh, sometimes they're called trolley cars, but we call them streetcars. And she was riding her bike home. She got hit by a streetcar and oh, got killed. Wow. I didn't see it. Yeah. I missed it. And I banged my head against the wall. I walked the floors for days at night. Oh, it was awful. And I, you know, I was like, if you're so damn good, how could you miss that, Robert? And then I just thought, wait a minute. If I could see it, it could be changed. If I can't see it, then it's destiny. So when you see something bad for somebody, it is your moral obligation to give them that information. Now, it's also your more, uh, moral obligation is not to scare the hell out of them either. So the way I do that is um, when I see an event, I look forward into the future and I tell the person, before anything, I tell them the result of what's going to happen to them and how well their life is. Then I come back to the present and I drop a little hint. And then I talk about some other stuff. And then I give them a little bit more hint. And then I talk about the positive result of the crises that they're going to be going through. And by the time, each time I come back into the present, um, I expand it a little bit more. And by the time I tell them there's going to be this thing happening, they're not afraid, they're ready, and they're expecting it. That's the way I handle it. That, that's the way a pro would handle it. Clearly, you know what you're doing here. Um, a couple more. Oh, well, I've done it a couple of times. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. <laughs> um, a couple yeah. more questions here that I, I just want to grab sure. out of chat before I move. I change topics. Yeah. Um, Sergeant Peterson wants to know if you meditate to get into whatever frame of mind you need to be in to do a reading, or can you basically just turn it on when you need to? Or is it always? I on? can turn it on when I need to. That, that, yeah, that's the issue. It's it, it's almost always on, and and um, besides doing readings, I also am really lucky, privileged in that I'm often being brought into situations where somebody's life is in danger, and and because I'm in the right place at the right time, I often help them through it, um, and that, and that's a regular. That's you know something that 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 happens quite regularly. You um you have me. a story of yours is featured in the book The Perfect Predator, uh, yeah, about a coma patient. Can you share that with us? I can. Um, the, the the author of that book, her name is Stephanie Stratti. Stephanie has been a client of mine for over 30 years. She has a PhD in epidemiology. In fact, she had just graduated from the U of T when she came to me for her first psychic reading. Oh, she wow. was an epidemiologist. Um, anyway, now she is um, a professor of uh, epidemiology um, at the University of Southern California, and she is associate dean of epidemiology. Um, she's the author. Her husband, Tom, um, also is a professor of um, um, experimental psychology, and he has a PhD in psychiatry, and he is a professor 
um, of um, uh, psychology at Southern, at Southern California, and he's an associate dean. Um, Tom is a real big guy, um, like 6'5", and later in his life, he put on a lot of weight, got really big and fat, over well over 300. Oh, wow. I did a reading for him um, um, at one time, and I, and, I, and I said to him, and then here's how I gave him this information. You know, I said to him, um, by the time you are at such and such a day, uh, age, uh, or, you know, in three years from now or wh whatever that you, I said, um, you're going to weigh, um, you're going to be uh, more than 100 pounds lighter than what you are now. And I told him that. Um, and then as I was doing his reading, I, I, I then came back and said that, that um, um, there, he was going to get sick and, and um, he was going to get sick, so sick that you can't get any sicker um, without dying and he would lose more than 100 pounds. And then I said to him, I'm wondering if um, the destiny is to lose the 100 pounds as opposed to get sick. If that's the case, then you can hear what I've said, take what I've said seriously, go on, you know, look after yourself and lose 100 pounds, or you can not listen to what I say and get sick, almost die and lose 100 pounds. And then I said, Tom, it's up to you. You can do it the easy way or the hard way. Tom and Stephanie went away uh, about a year later, year and a half later. They were on one of their dream vacations. Tom was feeling sick anyway. They were in Egypt. Um, they were touring um, the pyramids. While in the pyramid, Tom got really, really, really sick and passed out. Um, he's take you know he's carried out the pyramid and then get to the ho hotel and he's really in bad shape. Um, he's got all kinds of problems with his stomach. He's semi conscious, and then they take him to the hospital. And in the hospital in Egypt, he contracts the most potent superbug on the planet. It was 100% antibiotic resistant, and it meant that when you get that, when you get that um, superbug, you die. Uh, Tom got medevaced from from Egypt uh, to Germany, and he was in isolation, and he was sick, and he was in a coma. Stephanie called me. Um, when they got to Germany. And incidentally, it, it, this is in the book, when, when she called, um, it was during Christmas time of that year, and I was so sick, I had the flu or a cold or Ebola or something. <laughs> I was just feeling, oh, it was just awful. I couldn't get out of bed. And, and you know, I heard the Skype line ringing, and I come in, and, and I answered the phone. I answered it and said, what took you so long? I've been waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And and actually, I had been. And and that was what I first said to her. And, and you know, she told me what was going on. And um, from that point onward, I, I told her that Tom was going to live. I told her that she could find the cure. And there was no cure. And um, I told her that she could and she would. I created a psychic link with Tom when he was in a coma. And I lived with Tom, Tom in my mind, in my brain, and um, connected to him 24 hours a day, seven days a week for about nine months. 
10 months. And I knew what he was going through minute by minute. I knew when his vital signs had changed. I knew when he was safe. I knew when he was in trouble. Um, on three different occasions when he was in a coma, um, he was in going into crises. And I could tell, um, I visualized a candle and and the candle was lit and the flame represented his his life force. When the candle was burning well, I knew he was okay. When the candle was flickering, I knew he was in trouble. There was this one time the bloody candle just about blew out and I went, my God. Um, and, and, and I said to, I said to, he was letting go. That's what was going on. He didn't know where he was. He didn't understand what he was going through and he could hear people around him. And he didn't understand. He was really, really sick and he was letting go. Um, and, and I said to Stephanie, Tom needs to see his daughters, needs to see his family. Yesterday would have been a good day. Today is a good day. Tomorrow's not so good. If you wait any longer, don't bother. That night, um, his daughters had flown from California to, to Germany and arrived in his, uh, and, and put on their hazmat suits and were around him. And I knew that that happened um, because the flame got brighter and Tom survived it. And afterwards, he, uh, when he's been out of the coma and in the book and, and on a couple of podcasts they were on with me, Tom talks about what he was going through when he was letting go. And there are a lot of psychics that could have done this work. I'm not the only one. There are many, many of us that could do this. I was lucky. It was my turn. You know, my number came up. I, I got the, I got the job or it was presented to me. Um, but more importantly than me doing it, um, a psychic helped save a man's life by being psychic. And it was proven because when Tom was so well, he could talk about what happened when he was unconscious, but could sense. So one of our people have been able to do that. I'm privileged that I got the call, but lots of other people um, have done it. And I, and I see this as sharing it with, 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 with my contemporaries. Um, over time, um, Steph, I told Stephanie she could find a cure. And she went on a search and she had very little time because her husband was dying. Um, she narrowed it down. Now she created um, a group of scientists, um, some of the most brilliant people, minds on the planet, and they all got involved. Stephanie had, had narrowed it down to three different um, types of treatment. And they could only do one because because Tom was you know he had lost more than his hundred pounds and and he was bones and and he was really really sick and they didn't have time uh, to experiment. Stephanie presented to me because we had meetings every day. Stephanie presented to me as well as all the other scientists. The scientists, not I'm not a scientist. Um, she presented to me. She started off and said, I've narrowed it down. And she said, let me tell you about them. And she said, the first one is phages. And I said, that one. And she said, let me tell you about it. And I said, that one. And she said, 
let me tell you. And I said, okay. And I said, um, thank you. It should be phages. And then she told me about the other two. And I said, yep, should be phages. And then she said, why? And I said, because it's like a little Pac-Man and it will attack the superbug, attack it, kill it and eat it. And there was silence. And she said, that's what it does. That's what it's supposed to do. And on that, plus all the uh, the scientists, sh she made her decision. And um, phages, <laughs> phages are um, um, harvested from sewer water. And phages are um, excrement. And, and, um, literally shit literally it is and and it, it get it gets cleaned it gets sterilized but but it that was the treatment once upon a time in 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 russia in the 30s uh, 20s and 30s they were doing experiments with with um injecting fresh stool into a patient that that had um lower um a body lower organ in um, uh, diseases. And the belief was is that the good bacteria would attack and kill the bad bac bacteria at around uh, and and they were having some success. And then penicillin were was was uh, invented. So people had the choice of a pill or a turd and everybody went for the pill. Right. <laughs> So, so um, since um, from that time, no human had ever been treated with uh, with with phages. Um, right down to the very Tom was within hours from death, and he was finally treated with 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 phages. And the first injection, they didn't know whether he would survive or not. His first injection, his vital signs got stronger. A couple hours later, they zapped him again. He got stronger. A couple hours later, they kept doing it. Um, the next morning, when Stephanie was with him, he came out of his coma. Wow. First time in eight months. He came out of his coma. He opened his eyes, looked at her, and fell asleep, but never went in a coma again. Wow. And incidentally, the man went through seven episodes of septic shock during that time. Wow. And um, now I am not the star of the show. I was I was a a a uh, character. I played a character role. There were other people that did far more. But if the psychic hadn't have been doing the job, the other people wouldn't have been able to do theirs. And in that part, um, I, I, I share with my brothers and sisters that do this work. What if fantastic story and obviously very inspirational but i have to ask you when you were when stephanie brought to yeah. you the three things that she hit was considering as treatments and you jumped on the first one that she mentioned um yeah. i do that you, all the time but did you did you feel like did you feel pressure i mean if you were wrong as you said at she only time, had one no. shot at that at that time no wow um what happened is when stephanie started compiling her her team of some of the greatest minds on the planet um 
I've always been a, a, a solo act, you know, I've always been a one man show. I don't really work with others. Um, and, and I um, was afraid that I would make a mistake and cost Tom his life. And I told Stephanie, my hesitation to do this is that I'd make an error. And um, Stephanie is a world renowned um, epidemiologist, by the way. And she said to me, Robert, uh, you got a, too big an ego here. Um, you are one of many people that are on the team. And no one except me is the one that makes the final choice. And it is your obligation to tell me exactly what you see with no holds barred so I can compare it with the other information that I've been getting from other experts. And that was the first time in my life that I just let go and let it all hang out and 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 put myself on the line. And and it was some of the greatest lessons of of of, of my life. Um, what because I I had no hesitation because I wasn't responsible if I made a mistake because I was one of a team and and um, Stephanie has a mind, has a memory like Sheldon Cooper. And every day she would give me a recap on what I had said over the last, constantly doing that. And, and it was the first time in my life I ever just really let go without worrying about making a mistake or, or being right. I just let it happen. Uh, we're almost out of time, Robert, but um, you, you feel like we just started. I know it went very, very quickly. It, it, it does with a good conversation like this. Um, you you mentioned Helps the fact by having a good interviewer too, you know. Well, thank you. I appreciate hearing that. You you said you know you've cut back on the number of readings that you're doing uh -huh. just you, just to accommodate your schedule yeah. better. Uh, but are you still accepting uh, new clients? New oh, people? absolutely. And how can people yes. do that? You can contact me on on um, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, uh, my website www.robertlindsaymilne.com. Um, you can call me. Um, in Toronto, 416-480-2224. And um, you can find me on my podcast, My Side of the Crystal Ball. I was just going to ask you about the podcast. Tell us a little bit about what you do in the podcast. I talk to people that do interesting things in the psychic field and, and paranormal. And I talk to them about what they do from the vantage point that I often understand what they do, but not necessarily know lots about it. But I ask questions that people who don't know anything about the, the field would want to ask, but not know how to ask it. And, and as a, as a um, intuitive, I, I connect with, with the, my, my um, guest um, and in all of the podcasts, except for just one, I, I, tomorrow is the launch of the 22nd one. Um, in, in all of the, the podcasts, only once, um, I didn't have a close bond with the, my guest, but the other 21, at the end of each interview, it's, it's such an emotional connection, like both of us are, are teary-eyed because of all that, that we've expect, you know, gone through. So after... Um, you know, 57 years, I, uh, I'm i an overnight success. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
Do you uh, do you release the podcast on a regular schedule or is it as you can do it? Every second Wednesday. Every second Wednesday. Terrific. Every every second Wednesday. So tomorrow's and tomorrow's whatever uh, what's the date tomorrow? Tomorrow's, tomorrow's what? Tomorrow's the 29th. 29th. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it it gets released at 4 uh, uh, p.m. and um and you can see it on all the other places too. Terrific. Robert, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for being here. And thanks for the work you, you do too. Um, obviously you really care <laughs> about what you're doing and the people you're working with and that shows and it's, it's a blessing. It's the purpose of my life, uh, JV. Well, thank you. I it's, hope you'll agree and, to come back I, at some point. Hey, Hey, invite me. <laughs> I absolutely will because there's so okay. many more things we could talk about. Again, thank you and take thank care and, uh, and, and good you. luck to you. Thank you so much. Uh, ag you. Again, remember the website uh, for Robert is, is uh, very easy because it's his initials, rlmreadsyou.com, rlmreadsyou.com. Also, the name of the podcast is My Side of the Crystal Ball. You can find that on YouTube. So many great questions flowing through the chat room. I only had a chance to grab a couple of them. That tends to be the case. It's always difficult because the chat moves so very, very quickly for me to keep my eyes on it and grab all the questions. And I appreciate all the kind words too. And uh, I know Robert does as well. So thank you for all the compliments. Um, he, he, he does. He's very genuine and he's very passionate about his work. And th those are very important elements for anybody, um, especially if you're looking to get a consultation with somebody. I recommend that those uh, those types of qualities in, in the person are there. And Robert clearly has them. Uh, again, once the, the website rlmreadyou.com, you can find more information about his work and how to contact him there. How about we do a couple trivia questions? I know people... Love the trivia question. Scooter's going to ask for three. He always does. So let me grab my trivia of the day calendar, which, by the way, we are still back in September of 2021, if you look at the date on this thing. So we got a lot of catching up to do. And we'll do three trivia questions to end the night. I'm not sure who, we've, who our guest is for Thursday. Eddie's working on that. We had to shuffle things around a little bit because of the cancellations last week. So uh, I'll, I'll you know, make that announcement as soon as I can. But we always have great guests, as evidenced by tonight's conversation. All right, trivia question number one. Scooter, are you ready? Are you ready for this? Because you're the one that always asks for them. Question number one. Hot boy, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, hot boy, H-A-U-T, hot boy, is an archaic word for which musical instrument? What's a hot boy? That's right, Sergeant Peterson. Computer's off. No Googling answers. That's not fair for anybody. Thank you, Green Dragon. It was a great interview, but when you have interesting guests, it makes my job very, very easy. Very easy when I have somebody interesting. And I almost always do, so it's great. Um... Again, hot boy. A hot boy is an archaic word for which musical instrument? Bagpipes? Maybe Iowa. Maybe it's bagpipes. I don't know. I I think this is a stringed instrument, though. I think I, you know. I've I've learned one thing about my ability to answer these questions is that I don't have any ability to answer these questions. So when I say I think it's something, generally it's not a harp. Maybe that's a stringed instrument. Hot boy. H a u t. Not hot boy. Hot boy. A horn? Maybe. Once again, the question is a hot boy is an archaic word for which musical instrument? A pan flute? Good guess. All right, let's go to the answer here. The answer is, oh, wow. Well, I, like I said, I was wrong. It's not a stringed instrument. It is an oboe. Hot boys are mentioned in the Shakespeare in Shakespeare's Macbeth and uh, Antony and Cleopatra. I remember having to read Macbeth. I don't remember ever 
Maybe I did. I don't know. Maybe I remember Hot Boy. I don't know. But I didn't know what it was. Question number two. Here we go. Get ready, Scooter. You didn't even answer that last one. You just said a hot boy equals Scooter. Yeah. <laughs> what famous historical figure is attributed with the following oft-quoted line? Genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. What famous historical figure is attributed with the following oft-quoted line? Genius is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. Yeah, I, oh, that's what I thought immediately. I thought it was... Uh, I'm not going to say it right away until other people can throw answers out. Um, what famous historical figure is often attributed with the or attributed with the off-quoted line? Genius is one percent inspiration, ninety-nine percent perspiration. Okay, so we have Einstein, we've got Edison, we've got Ford. A bunch of people said Edison. I think it's Edison, but I, again, you've you've. <laughs> You've seen my record on this stuff. Mark Twain. Um, I'd say, yeah, Mark Twain is certainly a, fam a famous historical figure. Genius is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. Dick Van Dyke? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it's Dick Van Dyke said that. Dick Van Dyke's like, he's like 96 years old. He's doing great, I think. Um, Einstein. Yeah, a bunch of Einsteins and a bunch of, bunch of Edisons. All right, let's see what the answer is here. Question number two, answer is Thomas Edison. So, Randall, that was, uh, no, no. Uh, Iowa, you had that right. You were the first one to call Edison. He was apparently unsure of the exact percentage. He is also credited with saying that genius is 2% inspiration and 98% perspiration. I guess it depended on the project. And I have always been fascinated by one of Edison's last projects, which is the Spirit Phone, or the uh, I, I don't remember exactly what he was calling it, but I, it was a, it was a, a device to connect with the dead. Um, I'm always curious about that. Tesla would have been another great answer, uh, Sergeant Peterson. Yeah, but Tesla was a little more eccentric, I think. Okay, now it just so happens that our last one is a twofer because it's a weekend, so we've got two more questions. So, Scooter, you get four tonight instead of just the normal three. In Marvel Comics, what is the real name of the superhero known as Captain Marvel? In Marvel Comics, what is the real name of the superhero known as Captain Marvel? Hmm. You know, I don't follow any of these Marvel things. I watched, you know, when, when, when this whole uh, genre really took hold it was when that first Batman movie came out with Tim, you know, Tim Burton directed it. Uh, Michael Keaton played Batman. Um, Jack Nicholson played the Joker. That one, when that, that came out in the late eighties, I think when that came out, I watched that. And then, then you had Spider-Man and I suppose you could even bring in the Superman films of the early eighties with Christopher Reeves. Uh, I watched all those, but then it got just crazy. There's just so many of these superheroes in the movies and, you know, Iron Man was good, but then there's like 17 Iron Man movies and the Avengers and my son's into it all. I, I, I just can't keep up with it. I'm sorry. Uh, Billy Bob Yoder. Is that a joke? Walter Lawson, Carl or Carol Danvers. Uh, Mary uh, Marjorie. T <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not I know it's not that uh, in Marvel Comics. What's the real name of the superhero known as Captain Marvel? The answer is, yeah, somebody had it. Who was it? Randall, you had it right. Carol Danvers. Carol's story was brought to life 
in the 2019 film Captain Marvel, starring Brie Larson. But there's about 10 words in that sentence. I knew eight of them. Or no, I didn't know eight of them. I knew two of them. All right, final question for the night, guys. This is going to be it. What's the most abundant chemical in the human body? What is the most abundant chemical element? I missed that word. What is the most abundant chemical element in the human body? Well, since I'm just going to think this one out loud, through out loud, since the human body is made up of a vast majority of water, and water is H2O, meaning two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom, I'd have to say it's hydrogen, but that's just me doing some quick math. Again, the question is, what is the most abundant chemical element in the human body? Methane? I think in, I think in some bodies that might be the case. <laughs> but it's not an element. That's a compound. So we're talking about a single element. Unless, I, unless I'm misreading the question. It does say chemical element. Iron? Yeah, Sergeant Peterson, you say H2O, which is kind of the direction I was going in. But uh, again, if it's a single element we're looking for, I'm going to have to assume it's, uh, see, we are a carbon-based life form, Randall, so that's a good guess too. But I just think because we're, what, 98% water, 97%, or maybe it's less than that, I don't know, but it's significant that uh, I would think it's hydrogen. Let's see what the answer is because I, I'm, uh, you know what? We were close. It's oxygen, which accounts for about 65% of a human body's mass. Now, H2O oxygen is a part of that molecule so there you go all right guys that's going to do it for tonight thanks for being here remember to share like subscribe and follow if you're uh if you're on the foxhole platform if that's where you're watching the show it's difficult you can't subscribe in foxhole you have to do it in the back engine which is which is called pilled pilled.net you can subscribe or follow there if you're watching on youtube please share the program we've got a great youtube audience and as i said if you're listening to this show is in the podcast form please share it with your friends let them know it's available and let them know how they too can participate in the live show because it's most fun when you participate in the live program. So again, that's going to do it for tonight, everybody. Thanks for being here, and we will see you all next time. <laughs>